Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Before we start with the uh, really juicy interview of Emma Pleasure, um, I wanted to let you know that we are running a five-day challenge, my um, signature challenge called Trust Your Intuition, starting Monday next week. So don't delay into um, joining the Facebook community if you're not already in there. It's called... um, the intuition, re- intuitive revolution for ambitious entrepreneurs, uh, or sign up for my newsletter, and the link will be in the description box to this episode. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the intuition, intuitive revolution in business. Today, I have with me a very special guest called Emma Pleasure, who is a pleasure coach. So, Emma. Thank you for accepting my invitation to come on the show. Um, I'd like to ask you, I mean, it's quite obvious from your name and your and your title, what you're about, but still, I'd like you to tell us a bit more about your business. Thanks, Ange. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. It's been a little while in the making. <laughs> it has, yes. For us to connect, yes. So it's so nice to be here. Um, my business is, you're right, around pleasure. <laughs> and I support people with pleasure in life and bed. And, and we're talking intuitive, mindful pleasure that like is basically soul filling and nourishing. We're not really talking about the hedonism of a cream bun um, or a donut, um, yeah. you know, every time we go out. And we're talking about something much more resonant at a soul level and how like those lifestyle factors really flow into the bedroom and how can we bring more consci- conscious intimacy into the bedroom as well. Yeah, and um, that's something I've never shared on the podcast before, but I'm a big uh, fan of pleasure in life. Um, I think pleasure is what adds um, interest to life um in in all areas including in business and one of the things that we actually discussed a, um, a little bit before uh, we decided to do this episode is how pleasure can actually help you manifest and be more successful so i'd love for us to explore that a little bit as well yeah. um how long have you been doing what you what you're doing emma I started working with pleasure in 2016 Mm -hmm. Um, and before that I'd already been coaching and teaching yoga and um, it was like when I discovered pleasure it was like a light bulb went off and I had this really deep intuitive knowing that pleasure was the missing link in my work and that I'm here to bring the concept of pleasure at the time to women and as my studies have broadened that is expanding more into couples and a few 
brave men as well. Yeah. That's fantastic. I know you do a Tantra evening. Um, I do. Yeah, and you're in Australia, so I don't know. Do you do it? You do it online, or in, yeah, you do do it online. I do do it online. Yep. So I offer one that's my evening, and then I offer another one that's in the morning. Um, it's that is more. I can make sure that it kind of works for the US time zones because I've got a few people from the US that come to that one. Um, but either one should work for someone somewhere around the world. <laughs> And and what I love about your work as well is that you it's it's deeply rooted in tantra, and I think a lot of people misunderstand what tantra is. Yes. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding is that it's actually um, a very deep spiritual practice that honors the body as the temple for the soul and a vehicle for spirituality really the, the body itself which is in complete contrast with my religious background which is catholic and it's probably one of the worst of all the christian <laughs> churches for you know uh vilifying the body vilifying pleasure etc etc so do you have a did you have some sort of conflict in the background from your, the, the cultural background you come from um with regards to the work that you do and how did you overcome that yeah, I was brought up Catholic as well, um, and it there was a lot of shaming around sexuality. It's it's really interesting to me in so many ways that I would end up here. It is so far from what I was taught growing up, what was spoken about. Not, I think the the church and the religion really shaped a lot of that, but I think also the trauma that people in the horizontal lineage above me also carried through without even realising. And that has been for, I should say had been, had been when I first started, that was a little bit challenging for the marketing side of things. I could actually do the work quite well, but publicly announcing you know, that, that that was where I worked, was creating quite a little bit of dissonance with the old parts of those messages that were still there. And, and it's been a process of just chipping away at that old voice and those old messages and, and my own journey of, you know, shifting the shame so that I could even begin this work. Like that was pivotal. This work was never going to happen without me. Well, really, it happened. Pleasure happened as a direct result of me diving into the shame that I had around my sexuality. Wow. Wow. And, and I know there's some constraints as well on social media on how you can market uh, your business when you are in that sort of business. So um, how do you work around that? I, I think you, I, I like that you cleverly change one letter in a word, for example, you put a dot. I've seen other people do that. Um I, I find it hypocritical in the way because it's you're working for the positive side of things when and that should be encouraged. But of course, I suppose, well, I, I think artificial intelligence should be able to tell the difference, to be honest, very easily. Right? <laughs> I think actually you're right. You raise a really good point. Um, this actually was another barrier for me in my business, actually. I I didn't I didn't fully step into um, the marketing of 
the pleasure in bed side of things on social media. People knew that that's what I did. I talked about it a little bit, but because the rules on social media were so clear that that was a breach and people's accounts were being shut down, I valued the presence that I had over being shut down. And I noted it was earlier this year that the community guidelines had actually changed and if you were talking about sex, sexuality-based things for educational purposes, that it is now acceptable. And oh, so good. I do that and I make sure that I do it very respectfully and um, I am also I'm very particular about the images that I choose so that um, the account doesn't get flagged so that the work can still reach the people that it needs to reach. And I do, as you've noted, I do change the words that might get their account flagged, not because I'm trying to be sneaky, but because I'm using it within the community guidelines and I'm trying to keep the work as sovereign as possible and um, be able to reach people who need to hear it. Yeah. Uh, and do, do, do you have your own free community on Facebook? Because what crossed my mind is probably some people would not engage with your post or not comment underneath because they don't want other people to see that you have. And that can actually have an impact on your reach, can't it? Yes, it can if people don't want to engage because it's too personal, definitely. And I did find that for a few years that people, you know, they would message me privately and um, not, you know, just not engage publicly at all. I have had my own group on Facebook and um, I don't right now. I have been considering reopening one. Um, so maybe that's a little bit of an intuitive hit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what, what happens from here. What, what it feels like so how have you overcome this this hurdle that most other entrepreneurs already complain about the lack of reach because you know they want to get engagement and it's difficult you have an extra hurdle and I know you do very well in your business so how did you work around that I just don't think about the reach I mean obviously I try to um I do find on Instagram that working with the optimal times or, you know, looking at when they say most people are on, that definitely has an impact. Like if I post at 10 o'clock in the morning at the moment, there's just, there's, there's nothing. It just gets lost in the ether. No one sees it. Um, so I do find that makes a little bit of a difference. But other than that, I, I just don't bog myself down in those numbers because it's more important to me to just show up no matter what and and to show up with the message and um it's not about the numbers for me it's just about it being out there and so if i just try to pick the time when most people are likely to see it i don't really go any further than that i mean every now and then i look i got excited when before reels got absolutely massive 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 you know i had a few that had thousands of views and that was of course very exciting when your other ones have had a couple of hundred <laughs> but it did it does seem a little bit hit and miss at times as well what people respond to and what they don't and how the alg algorithm seems to prioritize things I would just I don't have brain space for that 
<laughs> I find it very refreshing. And also on some level, I have had impulses from my intuition to post at a certain time in a certain group and then literally having confirmation because someone commented underneath or messaged me that needed to see that thing at that precise moment. So yeah. I think the energy we bring to posts and the timing and tuning into the energy of our business, but yeah. also our audience can really do wonders for that. And it seems that I see your posts everywhere. Obviously I engage with you, but I think that um, you have that presence and and I, I, I find that very refreshing that you're not too bothered about numbers uh, because it's about the person that needs to see it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the energy, like, like you just said, like as you started speaking, I was thinking about the energetic aspect of posting as well. Like the energy that we're holding in ourselves, I think comes through really clearly in the feel of the post. You know, you can tell when someone is, like talking about, say, a frustration that is not yet resolved. And when we talk about that from a place of resolution, the post feels really different. And mm -hmm. so for me, there is there is an energy that I really try to bring to what I'm sharing. And, I, and sometimes I think that can beat the algorithm. <laughs> no, absolutely. So I, I think you talked a little bit, but not exactly answered that question. So I'm going to ask it anyway. What led you into this work? What was the defining moment? Because you're talking about being a yoga teacher, a mindfulness coach, uh, maybe a life coach as well. I don't know. Um, I know you're a medium as well, a psychic medium. You have so many different things that you do. Mm. What was the defining moment, if one? And would you like to share it? You don't have to. Yeah, I know I'm really happy to share it. So I had, um, you know, what in intuitive circles is often referred to as the dark night of the soul. And I had six months of, I don't know, it was, I mean, a black hole isn't quite right, but it was intense, the most intense period of my life. I had two young kids and um, I was just really facing some very, very, very deep trauma. And um, I was working with three different people at the time. And between the three of them, I had um, weekly sessions. And with one of them, I had round the clock support. And I lent on that. That is, that is absolutely what helped me get through that period of time. And as I came out of that period of time, I can't remember how I learned about it, but this book, Pussy, A Reclamation by Regina Thomas Hauer, also known as Mama Gina, um, that book was just suddenly everywhere, everywhere that I looked on social media. And I'm like, okay, I have to buy this book. And when that book came, I actually ordered two books at the same time and the other book arrived first and I remember being so disappointed <laughs> and I was watching the mail, you know, when did my book coming, when did my book coming? <laughs> I haven't even read that other book actually, all of it. I've only read a little bit. And um, it was that book. It was um, reading that book, that's when I had that light bulb about pleasure. So Mama Gina does a lot of work around um, pleasure and, and um, very much about reclaiming our power as women and 
um, does a lot of things that are a little bit more risque to kind of really push the edge to help us move through things. And, yeah, I, I had that light bulb moment reading her book of um, I'm, I'm here, pleasure is the missing link in my work, and I'm here to bring this concept of pleasure to women. And I also had another light bulb in that book where I realised that I had shame. I'd been with my husband at the time for 10 years and I had shame for enjoying sex, it, even in a relationship I'd been in so long. And, um, you know, there there wasn't, you know, our sex is very respectful. Our lovemaking was very respectful and, and really beautiful. Like it's certainly not anything that shame was warranted about. It was all very consensual and conscious. And so that really helped me to um, start examining those shoulds a little bit more around sexuality specifically, which is a lot of what I'd been dealing with in that dark night of the soul anyway, but this was just a new level of that and really unraveling that conditioning and all those messages and the, the body shaming and the sexuality shaming and, you know, the, the messages from the church and, and all those other things that I had picked up along the way about, you know, sex being dirty, basically. <laughs> and and um, I couldn't not, I, the, the pull within me was so strong to do this work that I couldn't not. And in fact, I tried to put it down several times and the universe would not let me. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And I think when you talk about shame and sex, I think it's also about shame and body specific yeah. body parts and I was really shocked because this is not something that I I've brought into my parenting at all and yet my kids refuse to talk to me about it because they've been conditioned by their peers and everything else yeah it's it's so strong it's so strong and it's it's a shame because if you don't talk about certain things then they go under the radar and if they don't go under the radar then anything can happen in the sense of abuse and all sorts of other things right yeah yeah and so you know it's so hard to have a different culture to try to create you know a pocket of one one healthy functional way of being within a much larger paradigm that is dysfunctional and unhealthy yeah it's still so dysfunctional and so unhealthy yeah. And at the same time, I'm not going to slide into that too much, but at the same time, this, you know, pornography is accepted and I, I don't even understand why most of it is, right? Um, so I think that we, we can, <laughs> I'm not going to say credit in the, in the negative sense, um, priests from the Catholic Church, because they had a complete double... Uh, I'd say persona, you know, they, they run the brothels, didn't they? And at the same time, they shamed everybody else for, <laughs> for, for having natural, you know, desires and needs and everything else. Um, we're going to move into your, you know, question about whether you consider yourself intuitive or not. And how do you receive your intuition? Mm. What a great question. 
I definitely consider myself as intuitive. Um, I think I always have been to my late teenage years, well, late high school years, I think is probably when I first became aware. And I didn't know that that's what it was, but I always seemed to say the right thing to someone at the right time in exactly the way they needed to hear it. Like, you know, I would just say one sentence and it was their aha moment, you know, and I mean, I didn't have the skills of deep listening that I've got now. I didn't have the skills of managing my emotional world. I didn't have the skills of um, like being able to really be present for someone else's emotions and manage my own ego and responses. And that still happened. It was profound. And I mean, I can recognize now that, you know, that was potentially channeling, (laughs) but I, you know, that is not something I would have known at the time. I remember having borrowed a book from the library and being on the train on the way to uni and I was reading about chakras and I was reading about um, being able to see aura and I did the exercises just using my hand sitting in the train and I could see my aura around my hand and I remember feeling really excited and then the following day sitting down with the book and reading a little bit and then just slamming the lid closed shoving it back in my bag and going this shit just can't be real (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I can't, you know, I just knew that even though I was having an experience that told me it was real, that was validating knowings that I had within my body, I was also very much in awareness that I didn't run in those circles and it was going to cause problems for me and so I shut it down. So where I really became in touch with my intuition again was when my eldest was four months old. So that's been about 10 years now. And um, that actually happened when I shared my deep, dark secret with a friend, which is part of what I was unraveling in that, that, um, that dark night of the soul. And when I, when I went to bed that night, this, this friend is very intuitive, and I was sitting in bed journaling and I was thinking, what would I have looked like to her with her intuition? And I had a very, very, very clear clairvoyant image of me with massive metal chain link that I had basically been mummified by and that it just and was like a big pile around my feet. And I thought about a couple of other people shortly afterwards and I had very clear clairvoyant images very clear, like was watching interactions, could paint it, and they were so strong and they came with a knowing and they were so strong and they wouldn't leave me alone for several days. So I ended up calling one of my friends and saying, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I keep getting this image of you and there's you and there's this other person and the scenery looks like this and there's this building here and like there's a fence and there's a hill and I painted this picture for him. And I said, I don't know what happens between you and this person, but from that interaction, you take away a perception of this and that perception is holding you back in life now because it's it's affecting blah, 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 blah. And he said to me, Emma, that's a memory. How did that get in your head? (laughs) I don't know. Um, So in the early days, it was very, very, very strong clairvoyance. 
And as I've come to understand my intuition and my clairs a lot more, my clairsentience and my claircognizance are definitely my strongest clairs now. And I and I I hear so, my clair audience as well, but I hear it as a thought. Yeah. No, that's very helpful. What do you, I mean, I just did an episode on different, different psychic gifts, et cetera, and, the, and what's the difference between that and intuition. So most people would understand what you're talking about, but still I'd like to know what does claircognizance mean to you and what does clairsentience mean to you? Because yeah, sure. words are words. and Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. Um, so my... My understanding is that basically we can receive our intuitive information in many ways. And, you know, we can also channel and do mediumship. But if we're just receiving information that is coming into our body, that it can come through essentially through our five senses. So Claire, um, voyance is seeing. So seeing like that picture that I painted, you know, seeing a very clear picture in our mind. So Sometimes when I connect with mediumship, I can um, I can see the person or I see what they're showing me or they show me an apron or something like this and I see that in my mind's eye or someone will be like there'll be a choice there and one choice gets brighter or bigger or gets neon lights around it or something like that. Um, and then clear cognizance is knowing, like cognition, knowing, thoughts um claire audience is hearing claire um there's claire olfaction and claire gustation so i've only had those two a couple of times only if um like someone has a very strong perfume or something like that they're they're um not so common for me and then claire sentience is a body sensation so for me, I get a yes and a no. So my, like my yes and a no are actually correlated to the, the word of no and the word of yes. So the word yes might mean something very bad and the word no might mean something very good, but the feeling of no in my body is always bad and the feeling of yes in my body is always good. And so I've had to learn that if it's bad, if it feels bad in my body, it's not because um, it's necessarily a bad thing. It's because the answer of no feels uncomfortable in my body. And that happens almost instantaneously now, like it's in my awareness when I'm tuning in. But it, I didn't, I, I don't know how long it took me to twig to that. But now that I have, you know, it's much easier to understand things. Oh, that's such a good explanation. And thank you because... My theory is that everybody's intuition is different. And so I that's why I love interviewing as many people as possible with as many different experiences so that someone might resonate with what you're saying and none of what my other 25 guests before would have resonated with them. Do you know what I mean? So I'm all for individuality and for exploring things and then Taking what works, leaving what doesn't. So thank you so much for expanding on that. You're welcome. Um, for now, I'd like to ask you, where can people find you? Um, what platforms? You, you mentioned Instagram. 
um what's the handle on instagram yeah it's it's currently emma mccann coach and if that doesn't work it'll be emma pleasure okay. <laughs> in, the, in the process of changing things um okay. so it's the same on facebook and instagram Wonderful. yeah so i think we have five minutes to explore the the link between pleasure and business and why mm. would anyone want to explore what you're doing when they're in business for the benefit of their business i'd really love to hear you talk about that yeah it's a it's a great question isn't it because we we think well depending on where we are in our journey of self knowing and self love we maybe don't have a concept of pleasure at all, especially if we're stuck in overwhelm and survival, you know, we kind of don't have that. So it can be really tricky for people to see how pleasure is relevant and what pleasure does when we engage in pleasure from a place of mindfulness. So I often use the example of, of chocolate. We can eat an entire block of chocolate in one sitting and it's not necessarily satisfying. In fact, it could actually be self-abuse. And we could have one square of chocolate and savour it. And that experience can be absolutely deeply pleasurable. And the difference is the mindfulness to actually notice the square of chocolate, to be really present, to savour, for it to be intentional. You know, we are making a choice to be in this moment and that we receive pleasure from it. So we can then do all of our daily activities from this mindset where pleasure is intentional potentially even a devotional practice if you want to go that far and it's mindful as well. And so when we are looking at pleasure in this way, everything that we're engaging with from that mindset fills us deeply. It is, you know, it's not just I'm having my cup of tea. It is, oh, my goodness, my cup of tea has just completely changed my outlook on the day, you know, we stop to notice small things. And so our whole vibration changes, our stress hormones change, our, um, we get a positive feedback loop going and our perspective changes. We stop worrying and stressing about things as much as we do. There's many, 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 many benefits of mindfulness. So if you're practicing it, really are practicing it from that perspective then you're getting all those benefits of mindfulness as well which is like better self-management more emotional regulation uh, enhanced cognition um, better interactions with other people we sleep better our immune system functions better reduction in cardiovascular disease like you know it's it's a massive list of benefits and when we look at it from the energetic that different vibration is magnetic and so we have this mindset of i'm seeing things that are good i'm having good things in my life i'm feeling full and then what we're sharing is coming from that energy and that place rather than a place of lack and so that is what our audience sees that is what our clients experience and that is what people respond to. They respond to that magnetism. But, you know, that lack part, I think, is also really important because if we get bogged down in lack, we end up doing things from lack and out of fear of there not being enough. And so 
pleasure can shift that perspective because we feel full deep within us and the stress response can change from pleasure and the stress hormone balance can can change when we get these pleasure hormones. So running business from this place of pleasure is just so powerful, so powerful for our own practice. Like does, does business feel good? Is the thing that I'm doing in my, in my business causing me stress? And if it is, is that because of my expectation, because it's beyond my skill set and I'm, you know, struggling with that particular aspect? And if it's something that we can bring more pleasure to, perhaps we can shift, you know, the energy around that and transform that particular sticking point as well. Wow. And as, as I was listening to you, I had one question. Okay, for yeah. you, for you, what is the difference between joy and pleasure? Yeah, great question. Um, I'm going to pause for a moment and feel that. It's definitely some crossover, I think. So... When I feel into that, and if if the video is there or you're not watching the video, I am actually just like still and staring off into the distance and allowing those two feelings to come into my body. It's a very intuitive process. I'm not answering from my head. Um, I am when I when I feel joy in my body, there's a cognition that is present that helps me understand and label this experience as joy. And when I feel pleasure in my body, there's not the same level of cognition, but there's definitely this massive crossover where sometimes it's almost like, um, you know, those like little cards and you move it and the image moves just a little bit. It's almost like, I look at it from one perspective and they're almost exactly the same. And then there's that little flick and I go, oh, no, but they're worlds apart. <laughs> and I think joy is an embodied experience of something that feels good and has, has this, um, like, it's a higher level and I'm really struggling to explain what I mean by that. And it might come through as I explain why pleasure isn't that. Pleasure can be many, many, many things. And I think both of them are a deep kind of rightness in the body. But, you know, when we don't feel good, pleasure could be having a pajama day and staying in bed with a book. And pleasure could also be dressing up to the nines and, and going out or doing something really outrageous and anything in between. Joy is what we tend to experience when we're already feeling good and then we're doing more things that feel good. So we're not likely to equate having a pyjama day and staying in bed because we don't feel great as joy. But yeah. we could still say that this is very gentle pleasure. And so I think there's this difference in um, when we would categorise something as joy, but they're both joy and pleasure are still an embodied experience. Like pleasure is not something in our in our head. If we're not present, there's no pleasure, just like the chocolate experience. Mm. The chocolate example, I mean. Yeah, and experience. 
Um, no, that's that's a really good answer. I like it. I, and the reason why I was asking this question is because I would very easily say to my clients, you know, do what you enjoy in, in your business, but then not necessarily what you get pleasure out of. And I wanted to know, you know, what's what's the difference? What's the angle? And I can see the crossover as well. Yeah. And there's also things in business that we're not necessarily ever going to enjoy, but still really need to be done. And so, you know, finding, sometimes finding ways to just support ourselves to move through that can really help. So like pleasure for me can sandwich something that is less um, delicious. (laughs) (laughs) One of of those yucky tasks can can be sandwiched in between, you know, some pleasure or I can, you know, do something that gets my mindset in the right place so that I can support myself to move through that thing. And so that might be the way that I dress or the music that I put on, or I might take myself outside to complete that activity, for example. And I I don't know that for me, at least, I don't know that joy, I could certainly tune into joy for after I'm finished but I don't know how well it would support me at the beginning of a task like that. Um, that would be interesting. I'm really curious to explore that difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you for your answer. It's very enlightening. And what I what I hear is also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that your your work is so much about being in the body rather than the head. Yeah, absolutely. There is so, like, our, our head is often really ruled by the conditioned voice. And so the, the fears that we've got and the experience that we're having or, you know, clients that I'm seeing that want to orgasm better, for example, or are struggling to relax in the bedroom and not really enjoying sex so much, they are often really in their head. And so there's not the level of sensation and sensitivity that can help them to change their experience can't be accessed from this thinking voice that continually reminds them of how this isn't what they need and how they feel pressured or how they don't feel completely comfortable or how they haven't orgasmed yet and they really want to orgasm and they're right on the edge and it's frustrating or he's just not doing it right and it's frustrating. So maybe I'll fake it to get myself out, of, you know, off the hook because then, you know, he'll think I'm done and we're done. And I'm speaking in heterosexual terms there because that is, from my experience with my clients, that is a specifically heterosexual dynamic, not something I've experienced working with same-sex couples. And um, we can really get bogged down in those stories. And if we can shift our focus from what our thoughts are to a sensation that is happening in the body, we can create more space between the thoughts and constantly need to remind people that we're not looking for no thoughts we're looking to create more space between the thoughts and to be discerning about what it is that we engage with with our thoughts so that we can have an experience in the body because the body doesn't lie and um, I have recently had a client who we've been working on that shift and um they were not orgasming and they have 
orgasm sense, just bringing their awareness more into the body rather than being with all the thoughts and all the reasons why it was awkward. So it's quite, it's a really big shift it, because it, we can just so easily be um, pulled astray by all the voices that echo all the things. <laughs> with, you yeah. know, they don't, they don't care how true they are. They've just heard them and repeat them like an echo chamber. And listening to you, what I was focusing on is how important it is to be embodied in your business when you do business, when you're with your clients and when you're, you know, showing up uh, on social media or speaking. And I I will always remember, um, and it's something that we've all experienced, um, two girls walking in the room and I'm sorry if I'm just choosing women in that respect but I remember being at university and one being technically beautiful and the other one not less according to whatever criteria we could we could start a whole episode on that but one <laughs> yeah. being so magnetic that yeah. actually everybody gathered around her rather than the technically beautiful one and this is not you know I don't do comparisons normally but I want people to realize that there's a there's a beauty in magnetism that tops everything else right absolutely yeah and I I talk about a very similar thing and and I I just use the terminology of by you know by the current beauty standards upheld in society and it really is um, what we're feeling inside that extends beyond us. And I get compliments in the health food shop. I wear black and and my hair is going grey. Like black doesn't really do anything for me anymore. It kind of washes me out a little bit. And I'm wearing this like awful apron I work one day a week in a health food shop (laughs) just to tie those links in there it it really helped me get through all the COVID lockdowns that we had here and it's really helped me to um, expand that that health knowledge with my business but also gets me out of the house because most of my business is done online so it creates a really good balance just to fill in how that fits in and I get compliments all the time all the time and it's clearly not about my clothes. Like I'm wearing a sack with an apron, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But also we, I think we forget sometimes, we forget that people are exuding this magnetism. We just assume, you know, we say they look good without actually thinking about, well, actually what I'm getting is that they feel good. And I'm interpreting that as they look good, but we do glow more. We physically glow more. Like I can, I can see it in my own skin on a day when you know I'm not feeling as great. And then if I do things to support myself to feel better, my skin literally changes. It's mm. it's amazing. It really no, is. I'm not surprised at all. So sadly, um, we're going to have to wrap up. I asked the same question of all my guests. The last question I save for the end is, what would you say to someone who is afraid to use their intuition in business? Oh, what a good question, Ange. 
what would I say to them? Hmm. Learning to trust the way that your intuition comes to you as intuition is one of the first parts of the journey, I think, like recognising what it is so that you know when you hear that thought or feel that thing, you can start to go, oh, maybe my intuition is talking to me. And once you understand that aspect, I think it's a lot easier to start to hear it and act on it you know, in a, in a way that kind of honours that. But if you don't recognise it, you can't act on it at all. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. And that's actually at the core of my business, so it's really, you've nailed it for me anyway. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I teach people to Just... trust their intuition. I don't teach them intuition because they're already intuitive. But they might not right. know what it looks like. They might not recognise it. They might not trust it. They might not act on it. And there's all that yeah. stuff to unpack. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes fear gets in the way and it's hard to confuse fear and intuition. Hard to mm. discern between, I mean. <laughs> Easy <Yeah>. to confuse. <laughs> thank you so much, Emma. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode and I will speak to you next week. Bye for now. Thanks, Ange. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook, on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.